We're in Psalm 37 this morning, the 37th Psalm. Um, there was a there's a, a a movie from back in the 60s. It's a slapstick movie. Um, if you know what slapstick comedy is, it almost goes back to a vaudeville type movie. It's called It's a Mad 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 World. Um, a lot of just humor, just funny stuff in that movie. The pretext of the of the movie is that um, a car goes off a cliff, driven by driven by Jimmy Durante. For those of us who remember him. And as he gives his dying breath, he says, the money's hidden under a, under a big W in that Jimmy Durante voice. And then you get your sense of the humor. He literally kicks the bucket down the side of the mountain. Um, and it goes on and on. A, people, a couple of people have gone down there and hear it. They hear about this million dollars. They decide, what are, what are they going to do about it? Um, and so they all get, they had this mad race down the West Coast to try to get to this money. And they start out trying to cooperate. And it's a lovely scene of them driving along. And they're going to, all going to go down together. And pretty soon people start, and it goes absolutely mad. They, they, they fly a rickety old world. Somebody flies a rickety old World War I biplane down there. They're crossing rivers and all through this. All kinds of famous comedic stars from the 60s are in the movie. And um, it, it's madness. And it's just some of the visual humor is just great. And so they finally get down to this park. In, um, in, in Southern California. And of course, they all somehow arrived there at roughly the same time. And they're trying to find this money. And then um, the most innocent character, one of the wives, she sees these two trees shaped like a W. And she realizes where it is. And uh, so they, they, so a policeman comes up, gets the money, takes off with it. They all chase, then they realize the cop is just going to keep the money. At the end of the story, after all this madness, sheer craziness for two hours, um, they're up on a up on a, a, a on a fire ladder, and the briefcase opens, and the money gets scattered everywhere. They lose everything. At the end of the show, they're all hurt. They've all been injured by various falls, and um, and uh, nobody gets anything. Uh, kind of a picture of the emptiness of life, isn't it? Now we don't live in that exact same kind of world, but madness has got to be one of the words that I have used the most over the last six months. It's crazy. Don't have you ever heard heard yourself saying the same thing? This is mad. It's madness. You watch the news. It's, it's like, do I am I living in a different universe? Am I? Is it a whole different world? I don't even feel like what I'm seeing matches up to what people say are happening. It just seems like sheer madness. It's crazy. Some of the things the political leaders are saying. Some of the things. The stuff comes out and it's. Huh? Really? And then, then you watch our political leaders on both sides of the ocean for me, and it's like, what? I was, I was, Mary and I were praying yesterday, and you know we have the injunction to be praying for our leaders, and I had to confess to God. I said, God, sometimes I have a hard time even respecting these people, much less praying for them earnestly, and yet God says to pray, and it's it's just mad. It's crazy. So what do we do in that kind of situation? Um, sometimes it seems like the bad guys are winning when you see the violence on the streets and you see all these horrible things happening. Sometimes it seems like the bad guys are prospering. And, and you know, so what we're going to do, we're going to look at Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Now we are going to give Psalm 37 a flying visit. I'm not going to dig into detail. Um, it's the only place you're going to have to look this morning because we're literally flying through Psalm 37. It's like the, it's like we're on this big um, open plain, and we're just going to fly over and take a 
take a look at a few of the highlights, some of the major points of Psalm 37. There's no way you actually be able to preach through Psalm 37 in one Sunday. But we're going to look at 10 things that we should do to survive in this mad, 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 mad world. So let's uh, let's have a quick word of prayer, and we'll get started, and we'll go through here. And those who are the Team Timothy lads, um, if you jot down all 10 of these, you can send them to me. And if you, if some of you guys last week came across, last week we looked at some characteristics of God that make us able to trust Him. And this week we're going to look at some things that we should do now that we know what God is like. And if you, and the, the guy, the lads came up with some things I didn't even have in the message last week. It was really cool to see them do that. And this week, so if you guys come across anything extra, you see that, that that's great. So let's pray and we'll jump into this thing. And um, so, and and see what God can give us today about how we handle this crazy world we live in. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for those who are here with us, and Lord, it's made church so much nicer for Mary and I personally to be able to have a couple of folks in every Sunday, and it's made it, Lord, seem a bit more like regular church. Pray for those who are here. I pray for those who are in their homes around Nace and Salins, and Lord, the rest, the rest of the country, um, out in Mayo. Um, Iceland, Virginia, Georgia, Texas, Arizona, um, wherever else folks are listening. And I know that everybody is dealing with the same thing right now. Watching the news, seeing our Facebook feeds, and just thinking we live in a world of madness. And we do. But we don't have to be caught up in the madness. There's some things we can do, things we can hold on to. And we can cling to these things. And I pray that we leave today, Lord, with just this simple little list, not a magical list, and I probably could come up with double of the things that are in this passage, but a few things we can do to be able to help us to cope with the craziness we're living in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, number one. How do we get through this? Look at verse one. Do not fret. Don't fret. I, it, I Whenever I read that passage, that those few phrases, I, 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 I mean, yeah, I, I might be a worrier, but I think I'm more of a fretter. I fret over stuff. I fret over the numbers. I'm fretting over our getting back to church. I fret about um, family and friends and finances and all those things. Fretting is kind of like you know just that little bit of niggly bothering. He says, "Don't fret yourself of evil because of evil doers." Later on, he just says, "Don't fret." We'll get come to that verse in a few minutes. Um, it's it's much 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 easier said than done than done. It's easy to fret when we don't have any answers, isn't it? If I had an answer, either way, one or the other, you wouldn't have to fret because you know what's going to happen. It may not be what you want, but you know what's going to happen. But here, fretting is when we don't know the answer to the problem. Matthew Chick said, we, we did that last week. Don't take any thought for tomorrow. Um, uh, Philippians 4, don't be anxious for anything. But with everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be known unto God. Don't fret about what's going on. He specifically says in this part of the verse, um, down in verse 8, he just flat out says, do not fret, it only causes harm. So it's it's not just evildoers. But sometimes it does seem like evil reigns, doesn't it? It seems like everything that happens is bad is just getting better and it's just getting worse and worse and worse. So don't fret. Don't be work, don't be envious of those who do well. Uh, they're going to be cut down like grass. It's all going to be over with. Everything we're living in today is going to be gone eventually. It's going to be like the grass that grows in the field and grow, rises up and nations have risen and fallen all through history. 
Um, we've seen great evil come to the fore. We've seen people like Pol Pot. We've seen people like Stalin. We've seen people like Hitler. We've seen those things and they come and eventually they're cut off and they're gone. So we don't need to fret over the evil that's happening. We don't need, in fact, we don't need to be fretting at all. So the first thing we do is don't, <coughs> excuse me, don't fret, don't worry. Don't be caught up in all the circumstances around us. What that means is we have to make a conscious choice. I read some people are saying they're, they're not even watching the news anymore. Might not be a bad idea. Just stop watching it. Just stop seeing it. Stop hearing about it. Just, just, just don't be bothered by it. Leave it aside and go on your way. It's not going to change anything. Um, how many people contracted um, the COVID virus in Kildare yesterday? I'm not going to change it by knowing about that. Every detail, am I? I'm not going to mean I, when I, the riots taking place in America again. I can't change anything about it um, except be praying more. So the truth is we need to not be fretting about the, the situation around us. Secondly, trust in the Lord. The key to not fretting is trusting that God's got it covered, isn't it? If I had this part, I'd have the first part. Trust in the Lord. And going right alongside with that is do good. Imagine if we changed our focus and stopped fretting. And instead of fretting, we focused on doing, we trusting God and doing good. Dwell, dwell in the land, he says. Feed on God's faithfulness. Trust God for these situations. Um, I, I've been trying, you know, part of what I've been trying to do since this thing started is to be an encourager, to purposely choose to be an encourager for people. Um, doing the daily devotions on Facebook and talking to people I see on my walk. I purposely tried to be an encourager when we start talking and the things that are going on. And then it's just doing good. Look for opportunities to do something positive during this time. <clears throat> There's opportunities for volunteer work. There's opportunities for service. A lot of our folks in our church are in are in are in healthcare professions or caring for the elderly or working in hospitals, doing a tremendous job. And God expects his people to do good. <clears throat> he expects us to do the right thing. He looks for God's people to serve. You know, if we're if we're doing more good, we're not gonna have as much time to fret. So trust God and do good. Third point, delight yourself in the Lord. Um, Verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your help. Delight yourself in the Lord is we just, as, as the song said earlier, we desire God's way more than silver or gold. We give our life over to Him. We delight in, in doing the things He wants us to do. I put a quote on um, Facebook this morning by J.C. Ryle. And the quote was along the lines of, um, How can anybody look forward to heaven um, when they can't even look forward to Sunday? When they consider Sunday a drudgery? And they can't rejoice and pray and spend time with God. How can they possibly look forward to heaven? And now, yeah, Sunday is a special day. We, we, we're doing our best to have church. Um, it ought to be a very special day to us. It ought to be the special day of the week. We've lost a lot of the old-fashioned um, Sabbatarian policies in the north. I, we've been living here long enough. I remember going north on a Sunday when you couldn't get anything. We had Somebody got sick one Sunday we were up north. And you had to find the one chemist in Belfast that was open. Otherwise, they wouldn't be open. They had to rotate on Sundays. And we had to go find the one chemist in the whole city. And it was on the wrong side of town for me to be driving in my southern reg. Those who know the top at Lollyville won't get this. But it was on the wrong. I had to go through to get to this chemist. I had to go right into the heart of a loyalist area. Okay? And we have a southern reg on our car. 
exciting experience. I turned around one co- well, I turned around one corner, and the sign said "Go home, you dirty tigers," which was an insult for Southerners. And it was a great day, I tell you. But you know, there was something about those days when I was growing up in Alabama. Um, most places were closed on Sunday. It truly was considered a day of rest. I remembered when um, in the Deep South, a lot of places closed on Wednesday. At, at noon, so everybody could be rested and prepared for Wednesday night prayer meeting. There was a delighting, and there was a, for those who were saved, there was a delighting in the things of God. We didn't let ourselves get caught up with all the nonsense that's going on. Delight yourself in the things of God. I wonder how many of us delight in reading God's Word every day. I wonder how many of us delight listening to a sermon. I wonder how many of us delight in singing Christian songs or hearing Christian music that's edifying and building us up. How many of us delight in that? And that word delight means just what it sounds like. We, we, we love those things. And the question is, do we love the things of God? Delight yourself in the Lord. We treasure the things of God. Then there's a promise after that. And, and, and he said, delight yourself in the Lord and God will give you the desires of your heart. You said, oh boy, there it is. That's the key. If I delight in God, I'm going to get whatever I want. Well, don't want to pop your bubble. That's not what it means. If you delight in the Lord, God is going to give you the right desires. It means God is going to fix your wonder. If you're delighting in God more than you're delighting in your stuff, God's going to fix your wonder for you. And you will be happy because your desires are going to change. Delight yourself in the Lord. Um, we delight in Him. He gives. He helps us desire the right things. Um, we, we seek first. The, the Bible tells us when we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, He's going to give us everything that we need. We have the things we desire greatly, and the, the, uh, so we have the we, we we look for the right desires. There was a Garth. I think Garth Garth, Garth Brooks wrote this song. Um, I, it was certainly wasn't a Christian song, but he says I think it was the song was "Thank God for Unanswered Prayers." All right. Now I don't know much about the song. I've read it a couple times, but you know, sometimes we need to thank God for what He didn't do, because we have the wrong desires. And if we, if we're delighting in the Lord, we'll be able to say, you know, God gave me much better than I ever thought I could have. Delight ourselves in the Lord. Verse five and six. Commit your ways to God and trust in Him. We give God our path. Romans twelve one and two. Paul wrote to the Roman believers, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you submit your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is just your reasonable service. God wants us to commit ourselves to Him. Not a halfway commitment, not a third of the way commitment, not a three-fourths commitment. God wants His people to be committed to Him. In, in every situation, good, bad, struggling, um, happy, sad times. We need to be committing ourselves to God. And as we commit ourselves to God, we trust in Him. The writer of Hebrews talked about run with patience the race that is set before us. There's a commitment. And we're keeping our eyes on Christ, who's the author and finisher of our faith. Part of the way we get through struggles like we're going through now, and it's hard to believe we're struggling. I'm looking out the window. It is a bright, beautiful, crisp, autumnal feeling day. You look outside and say, it's hard to believe all this stuff's going on. You know, and part of what we need to do is, rather than committing ourselves to being caught up in all this mess, we need to be committing ourselves to Christ. Commit yourself to Him. Trust in Him, and God will bring it to pass. He's going to bring about the ultimate result of all this. We're looking forward to the day, uh, in my devotions, I'm in Titus, and we're looking forward to the day when Jesus is going to come back. And, and part of what Titus writes about, that we live every day looking for Jesus to return. 
And if we're trusting God and we're resting in Him and committing our ways to Him during this time, God's going to bring it all to pass and it's all going to work out. He'll bring forth your righteousness. He'll bring forth proper justice. Next thing is, rest in the Lord. Um, trusting, if we are trusting and we're delighting and we're committed to Him, we can rest. We, can, we, have, we have to learn to leave it in His hands and rest there because he knows what is best. The Bible tells us in, I think it's in First Peter, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Part of what I have to learn, and I've been saved a long, long, long time now, but there's still situations where I have a hard time resting in the Lord. Just sitting back and resting in God to take care of this, this meeting place situation. Mary can tell you, and I, 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 and I want to be right. I'm trying to be spiritual. And I'm trying to do the right thing. But Mary can tell you this meeting place thing is driving me batty. And she had to keep drawing me back into line. And every, no, not every day. Five or six times a day. She has to draw me back into line. We need to be resting that God's got this thing sorted. And believing he knows what's best. That's resting in the Lord. Because part of resting in God is wait patiently for him. Ah. Oh. Waiting, waiting, waiting. I think today, yesterday was the sixth month anniversary of the first reported case of the COVID virus in Ireland. Six months of waiting, waiting for the law to change, waiting for the place to open, waiting for this, waiting for that, waiting, 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 waiting. But you know what? The Bible says in uh, Lamentations, it's good for a man to wait and learn how to trust God. There's even a phrase in Lamentations um, where the goes on talking about resting in God and waiting on Him. It even says it's better to lay on the ground and bury your face in the dirt and just rest in God. Just trust Him to bring it to pass. Wait patiently for Him. Again, don't fret because of Him who prospers in His way. Um, verse 8. <sighs> okay. Verse 8. Um, point number 6. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Whew. Anybody else but me been angry at times over the last six months? Mm-hmm. You've been angry at some politician? You've been angry at some decision? And our tempers get frayed and we get angry with each other? I'm doing my best. Those who are my friends or follow me on Facebook, I've been doing my best for the last six months to keep my nose. I posted something this morning. Had to take it back down. Um, because I realized it wasn't. It, I was really frustrated. I'll tell you what I was frustrated about. I was, frust, I was frust, frustrated the back, about the fact how rarely, how hard it is to find. They always keep. They keep giving us the cumulative total of cases, but you have to dig pretty deep to realize that ninety-two percent of those have recovered already. Ninety-six percent have recovered already, and that frustrated me because it just. It looks like when they say that Ireland have. 29,000 cases it looks like it's still there and that and that, you know and I just can if I had hair <laughs> I'd be ripping it out I get angry at some of these things Bible says don't be angry what good does it do me to get angry people around me suffer when I get angry and during this time when we're kind of still not totally but kind of still isolated one person gets to hear my anger and one person has to tolerate it. And if I'm going to snap at anybody, well, 
she's sitting right here next to the piano. And what good does the anger do? Nothing. Cease from anger, put away wrath. Don't let ourselves get angry. Um, that's tough, I'm telling you. I was so angry this week. I was watching one of the major politicians in Ireland, going name going unsaid, <clears throat> but he's one of the major leaders in government, being interviewed by um, an RTE reporter who did a masterful job. And the longer the interview went on, the angrier and more frustrated I was. I think I may have put something on Facebook about it even. I did. It was a picture of me and, I, and, and one of my um, emoticons or bit, whatever it's called. And I'm, it's a picture of like looks kind of like me with steam coming out of my ears. I thought, I thought why did I, I look back now? Why did I do that? Because I got angry. The Bible says it does no good to get angry at these people. I can't even talk to that man. So who hears my steam going off? One person. What good does that do? Nothing. How much is she edified by that? None. How much are my friends edified when I do something like that? Not a bit. How many people are torn down when I act like that? Probably a handful. Don't be angry. Don't let anger get the best of you. The end of verse 8 says, Don't fret. It only causes harm. Isn't that true? Anyway, let's jump down to verse 23 through 25. I told you we were going on a flying um, look at these passages. Next thing we do, besides don't be angry, um, we talk about resting in the Lord, we talk about don't be angry. Then verse 23, verse 25 says, don't quit. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Though he falls, he will not be utterly cast down because the Lord upholds him with his hand. Don't quit. God is ordering our steps. God is showing us the path to take through his word. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And God delights in his way. I, I, Jamie, Mac, I look back at this week. Can I say that God has delighted in Roger's way this week? Really? God delights in our way. And here's part of the way. Reality is, we are going to mess up. It's going to happen. We're going to mess up royally. Though he fall, yeah, and though he says he falls. It doesn't say, no, it says if he falls down. It says though he falls. He's not going to be cast down. Because God upholds us with his hand. What a beautiful picture. When, when you remember when you're raising your children or raising your grandkids and they get hurt and they fall down, there's nothing like dad or mom or grammy or grandpa reaching down and picking you up and picking you up in our heart and, and carrying you along and giving you comfort and strength. And that's what our God does for us. When you fall, God's not going to kick you to the curb like we do each other sometimes. When we fall, God's going to pick us back up. And how sad it is when we find ourselves as Christians kicking each other to the curb. No, God says, don't quit. Keep going. Endure. Paul wrote about a time in his ministry in 2 Corinthians when it was a mess. Paul says, we, are, we despaired even of our lives. Then he said this, seeing then that God has given us a ministry. Not, that doesn't mean you have to be a pastor. All of us are involved in the ministry of drawing people to Christ. Seeing then that we have this ministry, 
Paul wrote, we faint not. We don't quit. We don't give up. Don't quit. Keep going. Because God is merciful. Uh, God carries us through this. And He gives us strength. Um, Micah said, Micah, Micah said, though he falls seven times, he, he says, though I fall seven times, enemies don't get too excited because I'm going to get back up again. I'm going to look to the Lord. I'm going to pray. And my God's going to hear me. I don't know how many remember the old WWF fellow named Hulk Hogan. Um, and when he would wrestle, and I remember so many times Hulk Hogan was beaten to a pulp, and you'd think he was going to quit. You'd think the ref was going to come out, boom, 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 and count him out. But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you'd see Hulk, he'd stand up, and he'd rip off his torn t-shirt, and he'd get this look in his face, and he'd come roaring back and knocking people down, throwing people out of the ring, beating them over the head with a chair. I mean, all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, that's kind of, I don't hate to use Hulk Hogan as an example of how Christians should behave, but it kind of is the case. We don't get knocked down. Paul wrote about being knocked down, but not knocked out. Um, that's what our that's what our lives in me. Don't quit. We get back up. We do it again. Um, we are held by God's hand. And in Isaiah forty one, God said, "For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. God will take care of us through it. Don't quit. Keep going." And then verse again. We kind of what we looked at last week. Remember who God is in verses twenty six through thirty one. We don't quit. And then verse, the, the, the eighth point is, remember who God is. Um, and here's the things he is. I'm just going to pop these off for you. And starting in verse 26, follow along, and I'm just going to pop these out to you. Um, God is merciful. God says he lends. Literally, that means that God is distributing. He gives a hand. That, 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 the, the literal meaning of lend is, let me give you a hand. Can I, can I, can I give you my hand? That's the meaning here, is to help you out when you're in trouble. He says, um, what else about God? He's merciful. He helps, as in lending a hand. He blesses. Um, because of the God doing that, we are, to, we are to depart from evil and do good. mentioned that earlier. He preserves His saints. He gives us our inheritance. <laughs> I'm sorry, I typed this. He gives you, a, gives you sour inheritance. I <laughs> did Sorry, um, he gives us our inheritance. We have an inheritance laid up in heaven that's not going to fade away. Peter wrote, um, "It's it's 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 un, it's, un, it's unmarked. It's pure. It's right. It's going to last forever." God gives us an inheritance, and therefore we should seek wisdom and seek justice and have God's law in our heart. We do. We we seek the right things, and God. At the end of that section, down in verse thirty-three, the Bible says that God will protect us from the wicked. That's who God is. Remember who we're serving. We're not serving some capricious, whimsical, um, self-serving, arrogant, prideful God. We're serving God himself, the God who is merciful, the one who holds us up, carries us by the hand, lifts us up, who blesses us, who loves doing right, who preserves us through difficulties. He has already given us an inheritance of eternal life. Um, and He's the one who's going to protect us from the wicked. He talked several times about shielding us and taking care of us. And He's our rock and our fortress and our foundation. He gives us an armor to wear to fend off the attacks of the wicked one. We have a mighty God. Remember who God is. And then again, then verse 34, here it is again. Wait on the Lord. 
wait on God. Keep his way. Kind of going back to two previous points. Wait on God and keeping his keeping his way. Um, we do what God says. We don't wander. We stay on track. Great. If I, I challenge you. For those of you who are readers, it's a bit of a challenge to read in the 17th century English. But let me challenge you to read the unabridged version of Pilgrim's Progress. The modern versions are good. Don't get me wrong, okay? The modern modern updates to the, the movies are good. They're all good. But let me challenge you. If you're a reader and you want to tuck in... <coughs> tuck into something that's a challenge read the original unabridged version of um, Pilgrim's Progress the English is not that different from the King James Bible Um, I like reading it in the unabridged version because it forces me to stop and think about the things that are being said Pilgrim's Progress tells the story of a guy named um, he's called he starts out as being a pilgrim and he realizes the depth of his sin and he's he, the picture is he's carrying this weight on his back and and he meets evan, he meets um, evangelist evangelist gives him the gospel and he casts that burden off and he says to head for the celestial city and the whole book talks about the about pilgrim going through life being caught in the slough of despond and every time pilgrim gets off track he gets in trouble he wants to take his shortcut. He does. There's a road. There's a road marked out. He goes through the narrow gate of salvation, and there's a road marked out all the way to the celestial city. And one of the first places he does, he gets he gets worried, he gets upset, and he kind of wanders off into a place called the Slough of Despond. I love that word, Slough of Despond. You ever been in the Slough of Despond? You know what that means? You're caught. Years ago, they do what people here. Young people, they do a thing called bog jumping. All right? People, reasonable people, go to the wet, soaking bog, and they jump in the bog where they know they're going to get stuck and mucky and dirty, and it's just unbelievable. They do bog swimming where you swim through a bog. Years ago, two of my sons, I'm not going to name them by name, two of my sons, we were out close to the bog. One of them had brand, brand new trainers on. Just brand new trainers. The younger brother says, I dare you to jump off this ledge into the bog. And didn't he do it? And he climbed out in his socks because his brand new trainers got stuck in the bog. That's what the slough of spawn is. It's sticky, it's mucky, it's dirty, and it traps you in it. It's, and you, you cannot hardly get out of it. He got off track into the slough of despond. He goes through life and he gets diverted by this. Then he goes to a place called Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair is just what it sounds like. It's a big fair where um, it, it, it appeals to all the vanities of life. And they get distracted. They've got to get back on track. They've got to keep going back on. He has to keep getting back on track. <clears throat> Here are a challenge. Don't do that. Stay on the right path. Don't be diverted to the right or to the left. In times like this, it's tempted to come up with their own solution. God says, stay on track. Living in madness is nothing new. I first wrote this um, message, or last time I preached this message, was in 2016. And we thought things were mad back then. The, uh, the, the American political race, Brexit, um, who knew what was going to happen? Who would have thought four years later we'd be in even deeper madness? But God has the plan. And for all of us, and for the Team Timothy lads, I'm going to repeat the ten points, and we're going to be done. How do we get through madness? How do we get through tough times? How do we bear up in these difficult struggles? Number one, we don't fret. Number two, we trust in the Lord. Number three, we delight in the Lord. 
Number four, we commit our ways to the Lord. Number five, we rest in God. Number six, we don't be angry. Number seven, we don't quit. Number eight, remember who God is. Number nine, we wait on God. And number ten, we keep His way. We stay true to God. It's not going to be easy. I'm not telling you this is a panacea. I'm not telling you this is going to solve everything. But if we take these things, and if we, if we, I don't know, made a tick list and put it, uh, just a reminder on our fridge or in the mirror to remind us of how to handle the day, we can help God to get us. Help, help. We can, uh, we can get to the point where God can help us through these difficult days. All right.